like that. I've got the wrong one. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill God's purpose. This is the word of God. Thank you, Trevor. Well done, mate. Father, we ask today that you'll open our hearts and our minds to understand your word more deeply than ever before and to really know what it is to have a right attitude about our relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're working our way through a series looking at Paul's letter to the Philippian church. And in fact, as he writes to them, he writes to us as well. And the whole series is about checking our attitudes. It's so very important to do an attitude check every so often and make sure that your attitude is right about the, the matters of life. But this morning I want to talk first of all about freedom. Many people think that, that freedom, to have true freedom, is to express yourself in any way possible and it's licensed to do you know, whatever you want. A bit like what happened last night where Bill went along and saw all that happening in Sydney. But true freedom is actually not to do whatever you want. True freedom is really to do what is right. And it takes obedience in order to have true freedom. And now I know that sounds like a contradiction in terms, but it's not. I remember when uh, our son Andre was little and I was pastor at the Wyong Baptist Church. At the end of the service, Andre loved to come out and play on the keyboard and destroy everybody's silence and quietness. Yeah. He would have a great, he was banging away on the keyboard. They'd have a great time. And he had a lot of fun. But he actually just made a lot of noise, which was kind of annoying after a while. And I had to say, come on, time to stop now. He didn't actually have freedom to play the songs. He had the ability to make noise, yes, but he didn't have freedom to play songs. And why is that? Because it takes years of practice. Ask Kerry. Ask Joyce. How long does it take to learn these things? And it takes an awful lot of practice. It takes practice. It takes obedience to the lessons that you've learned to, to truly have the freedom to play on a keyboard. That's what real freedom is about. It's freedom to make beautiful music if you have freedom in that way. And only then do we hear the lovely music we like to hear. And the same is true with regard to freedom for living. To be truly free, we must have the power and the ability to be obedient. And that's what today's reading is all about. It's about having power and ability to be obedient to God, to be free, to do what he wants us to do. And so Paul, he commends his readers, he commends them for their past obedience, and he exhorts them to continue in obedience as a means of pleasing God. And he reminds them that God himself is able to help them live for him. So isn't that wonderful to know that God sets an incredibly high standard for us, but then he just doesn't leave us floundering around with our feeble attempts to please him. He doesn't do that at all. 
He gives us the power. He gives us the ability. He's able to make us willing and able to do what he wants us to do. It says so in the Bible. It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So we have to cooperate with God wants to do in our lives so that we can work out our salvation. Because God is already working within us as Christians. So the first thing I want to tell you about this morning is that God is at work in his people. In the Old Testament, God made promises that seemed to be good, too good to be true. He promised his people a new covenant and a new relationship with himself. He says in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, he says that his people would come to know his law and to know him intimately. He says this, he says, I will put my law within them and I will write upon their hearts and they shall be my people and I will be their God. It was God's activity. This is God's enabling. It's God who is the initiator of the new covenant. And he promised them that he would be able to change them to enable them to obey his laws. This promise is given in Ezekiel chapter 11 verses 19 and 20. That he would do a, a heart transplant on his people. Listen to what it says. It says, I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take away this stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and obey them. And in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he says, A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I'll put within you. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. How wonderful that is. God wants us to do something and then he enables us to do it through the working of his spirit in each of our lives. So when you see what God has promised within his new covenant, the spirit of God works in us to enable us to be obedient to God's commands so that we are motivated and empowered to obey His law. And the new covenant, of course, that comes into being through the, through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and by the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church who came to live within the lives of God's followers. Imagine that for a moment. Where's God living right now? In our hearts. Praise God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, Paul's already encouraged the Philippians with these words. He says, God has begun a good work within you. He's begun, and he's going to bring it to completion on the day that Jesus himself returns. So in other words, we aren't just going to be saved by Christ one day so that we might be able to go to heaven. No, God is at work in us, and he will never cease working in us until Jesus returns. And notice two things that God would do in his people that's already predicted in the Old Testament. First of all, he's going to give us a willingness to do his will. It says, for God is at work, is at work in you both to will, okay, that's to be able to make the decision. Your will is an act of your will, right? You make a decision to obey God. God enables you to obey him. You can make that choice. By the way, God does not turn you into a robot. You can also make the other choice. All right? You understand what I'm saying here? You are still responsible for your choices. But God will enable you to make the right choice. You, in your freedom, can override that. That's how gentle God is with his people. He's enabling us to make a choice. But also, he gives us the ability 
He's, he's going to make us to be able to will and to act according to His good purpose. So in the words of the Living Bible, it's like this. It says, God is at work in you, helping you to want to obey Him and helping you to do what He wants. I like that. I can depend on my God to help me obey Him and then He's going to help me to do what He wants. Praise the Lord. Who's doing the hard work? God's doing the hard work. We can just trust Him. But secondly, we have to work out what God is working in us. It says in the Bible, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now we need to understand that. This is not work for your salvation. You cannot work for your salvation. We're saved by grace through faith, aren't we? But we need to work it out. So it's the Bible saying, look, you've received your salvation as a free gift from Jesus, right? Now, the implications of that need to be worked out with fear and trembling. The word salvation, by the way, means protection, safety, health, wholeness, healing, becoming more and more what God wants us to be. Salvation is a big, big word. It means so much. We just put it down to one little word in English, but it's a big word. It means a lot. Someone once put the meaning of salvation quite simply this way. He just considered it in terms of sin. He put it in terms of the past. We've been saved from the penalty of our sins by the death of Jesus. In terms of the present, we are being saved from the power of sin by the strength of the presence of Christ by His Holy Spirit. And in terms of the future, we'll be saved from the very presence of sin. Saved from the penalty, saved from the power, and saved from the presence of sin one day when we are in heaven. All of this is combined in that. And God, through His grace, is going to help us to obey Him. His Spirit within us makes us open to Him and to His mercy and to His grace and for all that He has for us in Christ. And as we work out our salvation, we are putting into practice what God has done for us and is doing for us in our salvation. So, for example, put it like, let me put it like this. Jesus died for us and made forgiveness available. That means... We don't have to carry around a whole burden of guilt. I remember the day I received Jesus in my heart. The burden of guilt was removed off me. I didn't even know I was carrying all that guilt until I was saved. And then that day it was like my feet didn't touch the floor. It was amazing to have the burden lifted off me. So as we confess our sins to God, we can say, Thank you, Lord, you have promised to forgive my sins, and I have my forgiveness in Jesus. And you know, this is an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing thing. When you step off the path, you know, the straight and narrow we're supposed to walk, very easy to deviate. But you come and ask for forgiveness, and you get it immediately. How wonderful that is. The burden of sin is lifted off us. And as we face something as horrible like sickness... Well, what can we do that with that one on the basis of Isaiah 53 verse 4? It says, Surely He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Matthew chapter 8 verse 17 says, He took up our infirmities and He carried our diseases. My goodness. I don't like disease at all. It's my enemy. I'll fight against it. Because Jesus has done something for me with regard to that. On the cross, you know, he bore our infirmities, our diseases, our griefs, our sorrows. He offers us his healing. That's why I pray for people to be healed. And I expect something to happen. That's what we, it's offered to us. Let's take it. So we can ask God to heal us. So forgiveness of sins, 
dealing with problems in our, in our lives with regard to our health, when we are faced with great hardship and we'd say, Lord, Lord, I can't face this hardship in my own strength. I thank you that in you I have strength by your spirit. I can do things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when you face a difficulty, face it in Jesus. So what's that? Dealing with sin, dealing with sickness, dealing with hardships. How about confusion? You ever get confused? Yeah, me too. When I face confusing situations in life, I can act on God's promise in James chapter 1, verse 5, that we lack wisdom. We can ask Him, and He will give it to us generously. Generously, how's that? Not just a bit, generously, lots of it. As we face death, well, we can act on the promise of Jesus. Ah, I have eternal life. Death's just a gateway for me. Bring it on. I'm not scared of that either. All these promises have obtained, been obtained for us in the salvation we have in Jesus. Salvation's a big thing. And by faith, we act on those promises. So we learn to work out our salvation. Work out what it means for you to be saved. Work it out in your life. Work it out in someone else's life. Work it out in your prayer time. Know that a God is at work in us so we can work that out. And we are to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Now, this is, this is not fear and trembling that comes because I'm, I'm coming before God and I'm scared. Because I can come boldly before the throne of grace, it says in the Bible. Rather, it's a sense of awe. I come before God because He is awesome. We use that word way too often. Oh, that was awesome. No, no, no. God is awesome. It's an awareness of being in His presence. He's pure. He's holy. He's love. William Barclay put it this way. It is not the fear and trembling which drives us to hide from God. Rather, the fear and trembling which drives us to seek God. Seek Him. Fear God, not because you want to hide from Him, but because you want to seek Him. And you want to be in His awesome presence. And it's the certainty that without His help, we cannot effectively face life. So it's coming before our awesome God. He's going to help us face life. And in fact, I cannot face life without Him. That's why it's so important to preach the gospel to everyone you come to. I can't go on with life without Him. Third big point I want to make today is that, is that God is at work through His people. Christianity is not just pie in the sky when you die in the by and by, okay? It's much more than that. God wants to have, us to have the joy of knowing Him in this life and to walk in fellowship with Him. We just sang, The Lord is my shepherd. It's such a beautiful, beautiful hymn. It's Psalm 23. Wonderful psalm to read and meditate on and walk with God through all the situations of life, even through the veil of the shadow of death. Walk with God. Walk with God. Let's have fellowship with Him. Let's know His love. Let's know His power in, in all of our lives. Because God wants us to fulfill His will for our benefit, number one. I had a wonderful story about a little boy who was uh, riding his tricycle. He was riding furiously on his tricycle, round and round the block, over and over and over again. He was riding his tricycle as fast as he could go. And finally, the local policeman on his beat stopped him and asked him, why are you going round and round? And the little boy says to him, I'm running away from home. <laughs> and so the policeman says, but why do you keep on going round and round the block? And the little boy says, because mum said I couldn't cross the road. 
I like that. That's a wonderful thing. The point of this story is that obedience will keep you close to those who you love. He was running away from home, but he had to stay close to mum because he knew mum loved him. Oh, he's beautiful. And it's for our benefit that we are to obey God. I know some of you would really like to be able to say, I want to give my life fully to God, but you're, you're hanging back. Maybe you're afraid that you won't be able to keep the demands of commitment. You don't want to start and then you know, not have enough strength to go on and don't want to appear to be a hypocrite. But God's saying this. He says, you give, me op- you give me an opening so that I can enter into your life and I'll keep on giving you the willingness and the ability to do my will. Will you trust God? Please. Don't wait until you think you're good enough or strong enough because you'll never be either one. God can change you, and He can change you right now. He wants to operate within you and through you by the power of His Spirit. All you have to do is be open to the working of His Spirit. Let Him work through you and in you. He wants to, and He will. He promises to do so. So God wants us to fulfill His will for our benefit, and God also wants us to fulfill His will for His benefit. So why is God at work within us? It says, for His own good purpose. Or pleasure in the other versions, it says. So this pleases God for him to be working in us. And it's interesting. Think about it for the moment. Pleasing God is the antithesis of selfishness. It's the absolute opposite. Selfish people think of, of how they can please themselves. And the interesting thing is that there's actually no satisfaction in the pursuit of pleasing yourself. That's why you see it so often. All these people that have everything end up topping themselves. There's no, there's no pleasure there. It doesn't last. The only real satisfaction comes from doing the things that please God. Could you and I give God pleasure? Can He be pleased with us? The Bible says we can. As we work out in practical living, He's working into our lives, doing the things He wants to do for His sake. Do any of you remember that, that old film, Chariots of Fire? Yeah. yeah? That was an awesome film. It was really cool. Eric Liddell, you know, he used to say that he ran for God, and as he ran trusting in the Lord's provision for every part of his life, he felt the Lord's pleasure as he tried to glorify God through his running. Seeing that film was really helpful for me years ago because it just changed my whole perspective on Christian living. I found that I could do anything for God. I remember reading a little book by Brother Lawrence. He was a monk. And he was working in the kitchen, doing the dishes mostly. And he did the dishes for God. He peeled the potatoes for God. Eric Liddell ran for God. That plea, he felt God's pleasure. That released me from a whole bunch of stuff, <laughs> knowing that, that I could please God. Because I, I know it pleases God when I preach the gospel. I know it pleases God when I pray. I know it pleases God when I, when I reach out with his love for people. But you know what I like doing as well? I like being at home and in my garage and turning on my lathe and turning something beautiful into a, from a piece of wood, making a pen, doing whatever. And when I see something beautiful coming out of that, a creation of my own two hands, I remember that I'm made in the image of God. And God is a creator God. And God loves it when we create 
because we're made in His image. And I sense God's pleasure. And so I can do these things that I enjoy so much and still bring pleasure to God because I'm using the gifts that He's given me. Saying like I sense His pleasure when I preach because I'm using the gifts that He's given to me. How wonderful that is. See, God isn't unmoved by our love and commitment that we offer Him. He has a plan. He has a purpose for every one of us. God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. He said in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, He says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. God's got that kind of plan for you and for me. So you and I, we need to be open to what God wants to do and what He wants to work into our lives, which will be a willingness and an ability to do His will as we work it out in our lives. And only then will we be able to work out our salvation to our benefit and for His pleasure and for His glory. I want to live for the glory of God, don't you? Well, then let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the wonderful way we can read Scripture and we recognize now that it's you that is working in each one of us to will and to act according to your good purposes. Help us, Father, to determine the mind of Christ daily and to work out our salvation with fear and trembling as we become before you, recognize that you are the one true awesome God and that you've invited us into your presence that you invited us to come before you, to receive our, our orders for the day, to know what to do and how to do it and when to do it for your glory. Thank you, Father, for the promise that Jesus gave that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Father, for the, the promise of the Holy Spirit who comes into each of our hearts and each of our lives and empowers us for Christian living. Father, we do desire so much to be different, to stand out, to be salt and light in this earth for all the time that you give us to be your people here. We worship you. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Our final hymn this morning is the hymn number 389, Make Me a Blessing. Three eight nine. <laughs> the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. 